Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Jake. Yes, sir. Did you know it is our anniversary month? How long have we been married? (laughs) No, the show. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I did know The that, show's actually. anniversary. We are turning six years old, and to celebrate that- We're going to first grade. We're <laughs> close. We're giving a discount on our Patreon. If you join the year-long subscription to the Patreon, you can get 15% off during the month of May. You can find out everything about our Patreon at patreon.com slash thecritshow, but all tiers for the month of May are 15% off when you sign up for the annual membership. Is that as exciting as first grade? You know, now that I'm kind of remembering back to first grade, that's far better than first grade. Hey, everybody, and welcome to season two. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, So for season two, we got a couple things to talk about. We have leveled up once again. Uh, First, we would like to welcome the newest member to our team, Nix. Nix is our wonderful webmaster. Uh, If you go to the critshowpodcast.com, you will see a brand new site that she has been working very hard on. Um, so we would like to welcome her and thank her for all of the hard work that she has been doing. Thanks, thank Nick. So now to go in a completely different direction, though. You know, this is the beginning of season two. Mm-hmm. So I think that we should take a moment of silence for a couple of the ideas from season one that just didn't make it. We talking about an in memoriam? Yeah. The first in memoriam at the beginning of season two is the shopping music. You know, it, oh, it did no. not. It had a, it had no. a good run. It was a nice idea, but... Do I need to make in-memoriam music for this now? I mean, we could also possibly have in-memoriam music for Jake's in-memoriam music that he was supposed to make. Because at the time, actually, that everybody is hearing this, Jake will be in Hawaii. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I was I, I said that, and then I went, why am I giving myself another job I have to do <laughs> right before I leave? Yeah. And then also, I think the other silence is for the Crit Corner, where we... Originally, we're talking about the crit stories that people had sent in and we were reading them. Uh, it honestly took me about a three count to st- the what? what? Now? <laughs> yeah. You know, life just moves fast sometimes. It really does. A lot can change in a year. It's true. But uh, I like to think that we've grown. Yes. In other good ways. In other ways. So yeah. <laughs> because, you know, as they say in comedy, they can't all be gems. It's true. <laughs> Some of these ideas, you know, they didn't pan out, but others we still love and we'll hold on to. Speaking of things that we love and will hold on to, uh, I do want to take a moment to thank all of our Patreon supporters. This Discord community has grown in a very wonderful way. They make me smile every day. Um, if you are on the fence about joining the Patreon and you know, you've listened to Hero Salad and you've listened to Investigate the History and you're not quite sure, I promise you it is worth it for the community. You go onto the Discord and people are talking about show theories, trading recipes, showing off their pets, even setting up Monster of the Week games of their own to play online. It is an awesome community and we would love to have you. And uh, along with that, we would like to thank our new Patreon subscribers, uh, Scott R., Vibora R., Andrew M., Ryan F., The Portrait Dude, welcome Wes, Melinda G., Trouser Mouse, sounds super cute, also kind of dirty, a little bit, <laughs> and Drake R., Uh, So thank you to everybody who has joined us over the last few months on the Patreon. It is a blast to have you around us. Uh, It's such a great community, and it brings us a lot of joy and a lot of amazing random laughs and fan art throughout the day. So I suppose without any further ado, it's time to begin the second season. The three of you step into the portal. There is a sensation of falling, but it's not physical. It's everything. It feels like... Your soul is falling out of your body. Your brain is falling out of your head. Your body is falling off of a building. It is free fall in every sense of the word. And you rush towards this white light as you fall. And then there's darkness. 
and you have a feeling of aches and pains and it's dark and you can hear very shallowly the sounds of other breathing and it stinks. Tess? Tess, you hear a voice in the darkness. Oh, God. Yeah, man. I think we fell into, I don't, I don't even know, a gym locker or something. It's awful in here. And you can feel the ground underneath you is kind of soggy. And the voice that you hear is about 40, 50 feet away, but it's also got a little bit of an echo behind it. Um, I don't think we're near each other. I'm, I'm going to try to get up and feel my way around, see if there's a wall or anything near me. Yeah, so you get up and you start to move around and it's a little squishy. Everything you touch is very gross. It's like Homer reaching under the couch, (laughs) which I know is one of TJ's favorite bits where there are sharp things and then hard things and then things that your hand just squishes through. You can hear flies buzzing. Oh, this is gross. Oh, it's so gross. Jake, are you here? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to get my bearings. Yeah, and Jake, you can feel that whatever this grossness is around you, like you are just laying in it. But in the distance, as you start to move, you can see just a very faint light about 30 feet to the east. Do you guys see that? Yeah. Okay, let's try to converge. I want to get up and try to move towards that light. Yeah, same. You all start to move from your individual spots towards this light. And as you get closer you can start to make out your surroundings a little bit. It's an earth floor and there is just rotten food and old bones and discarded plant life. It almost seems like a room that is just all compost. You can tell for certain there is some waste in here as well. Where the hell are we? What is this? Did we go to the hell dimension? Is is this where my grandfather went is hell dimension? I'm calling it. We're in a giant mouth. We're in something's gross, big, giant mouth. So as you all start to get closer to the light, you can see some figures coming out of the darkness. TJ, roll sharp. Uh, That would be a seven. All right. Now let's take a step out of the game for just a second. It is time to make your new characters for this new world. I've talked about this a little bit in the past. I had the idea that when you guys go to different worlds, they're going to be different games. And TJ's sharp roll was how well the teleporter worked. So TJ got a mixed success. <laughs> oh my God. So that means that you can either pick your class or your race, and the other one will be decided by a die roll. Okay. I love it. On a full success, you get to pick both. On a fail, you would have picked neither. Oh, God. I suppose before we get any further into this, I should say that the game this world takes place in is Dungeon World by Adam Coble and Sage Latora. So if you are listening at home, that means that, at least for part of this season, we're going to teach you a new game. Now, does this mean that we are not playing Monster of the Week anymore? Absolutely not. These gentlemen have the ability to go back and forth, so we will still have our main story set in Monster of the Week, But while they are here in this world, they'll be running with Dungeon World rules. Nice. Hype! So the classes you have to choose from, if you so choose to choose your class as opposed to roll for it. What a sweaty sentence. With a lot of chooses. (laughs) The Bard, the Cleric, the Druid, the Fighter, the Paladin, the Ranger, the Thief, and the Wizard. Now there are a ton of other expansions out there for this, but right now we are just using the standard playbook that you get. Okay, how many is that? There are eight. eight. So if you want to <laughs> roll your class, you roll a D8. Um, and I should point out that the races are actually dependent on the class. Um, oh, so like... not all classes can be all races. So with each class, it gives you, hey, here are the races that can be this. Got it. The races are human, elf, dwarf, and halfling. There's also a half-elf, but you actually have to take that as your first move. If you are a human or an elf, some classes give you the option for your first move to be half-elf, and it gives you the bonus for both. Interesting. Okay, can we pick the order of this? Like, can I say, yes, I want to pick one of them, and, you know, whichever one will be left to chance, roll that discover what it is, and then pick the other thing. Oh, so you want to, like, you want to roll something before you pick the other one? Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys can do it however you want. Okay, cool. What do you guys want to do? Um, I mean, I feel like, I, mean, I, I can't speak for all of us, but I feel like I should pick my class 
Um, I'm a child of chaos, so can I just roll for both? Only on a fail. I mean, I guess I can't stop you from having the way that you decide. <laughs> the second one being handing you the book and you rolling and counting over. Can we roll it? And if we don't like it, no. roll it again. <laughs> that makes it even better. Um, Tass, do, do whatever you're going to do. And then, you know, based on that, like if you want to pick your race and roll your class and you end up with this whatever kind of class, right? then I can pick something to complement yeah. that and flesh out the party and then I can roll race and then... Uh, yeah, then I think I'm going to take wild card here and do roll for class and then pick my race based on that. All right. So roll something you don't have on hand, a D8. That's a three. What does a three get me? All right. So Tass with his three... You are the druid. Okay. Um, what is a druid allowed to be? They can be elf, human, or halfling. Okay, I'm going... Oh, come on, there's no doubt. I'm yeah. going halfling. Yes, good choice. <laughs> okay, so you get a move based off of what your race is. So what is your halfling move? Uh, halfling move. Let me look this up. According to the druid page, if you select halfling... I sing the healing songs of spring and brook. When you make camp, you and your allies heal 1d6. Okay. Cool. All right, so who's next? I guess I will go. Okay, so how are you going to do this? I've decided to go with picking the race first. Oh, okay, so what race do you want to be? I would love to play a dwarf. All right, so essentially you're going to roll even or odd because a dwarf has... Two options. You can be the cleric or the fighter. I will roll this d6. Odds are fighter. Evens are, what was it? Cleric? Yep. And it's a one. So, yeah, I will be a fighter then. And uh, what do you get for being a dwarf, TJ? When you share a drink with someone, you may parlay with them using con instead of cha, which I assume <laughs> means constitution yeah. Instead of charisma. Ah, cha, 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 cha. You can drink instead of having cha with them. <laughs> oh, gross. gross. Uh, so I assume that has to do with the fact that uh, dwarves drink a lot and uh, it's their sort of merriment way of, you know, handling each other. And everything, yeah, and, so. and parlay, that's one of the moves. We'll get to the basic moves here in a little bit. Uh, but parlay is when you essentially have leverage over an NPC and you're trying to convince them to do something for you. All right. What about you, Jake? Uh, I'm going to do the bard, Ooh. I think, because we need magic and we need a face and the bard in this can do both. OK. And so uh, roll for your race. Yeah. So a bard can be an elf or a human. Uh, I'm going to say evens for elf and odds for human. Uh, and that is a four. So I will be an elf. Ooh, what's your elf thing do? When you enter an important location, your call, you can ask the GM for one fact from the history of that location. Nice. Oh, OK. So remind us real quick, what do we have at the table now? We have a halfling druid. Uh, we also have a dwarven fighter. And an elven bard. We've taken a couple seconds here for these guys to generate these characters. Uh, so let's go around the table real quick and let us know what your hit points are and your stats and what your moves are. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk look, too? Uh, yes, absolutely. Very cool. So, um, you know, just like Monster of the Week and many of the other Powered by the Apocalypse, it has kind of a list of suggestions or a blank you can fill in. Um, but I like some of these. So I've got braided hair, uh, wise eyes, and weathered hide clothes. And part of the druid thing is that they have some kind of feature that is always there, and it has to do with their homeland, which I'll get down to here in a sec. Um, but it, there's a big list of these of examples, too, like their eyes are gemstones, or they have a forked snake tongue, or whatever else. There's just, you know, infinite possibilities, depending on what you pick. Um, and so since I'm kind of going to go with a mountainous terrain, I'm going with ram horns. Oh, okay. This is a halfling with perpetual curling bighorn sheep Horns. So no matter what shape you're in, whether you're yep. yourself or whether you turn into a snail, you've got big ram horns. Exactly. Excellent. I could be a little robin with <laughs> ram good, horns. Good, good. What happens if you turn into a ram? Do you I, have like double, double ram, ram horns? Double ram horn, baby. Oh, horns. God. oh, yeah. Big order of double horns. <laughs> I went with plus one strength, zero dex, plus one constitution, uh, minus one intelligence, plus two wisdom, and zero charisma. Um, and so that gives me 19 hit points overall. Okay. And real quick, you said you have 19 hit points. Mm -hmm. How did you come to that number? Oh yeah. So this is kind of one of the more complex things on this is that actually all of the stats 
start with an overall number value. And then those number values translate down into what our modifiers actually are, the plus ones and minus ones and so on. Um, so for mine, uh, for the druid, the, the hit points are uh, six plus your overall constitution value, uh, which mine is 13. So that's what gets me my plus one. And so 13 plus six gets my 19. Okay. So yeah, that'll be the case for everybody as they talk about their hit points. Yeah. If they are taking the uh, the actual value and then adding whatever their class modifier is. So the moves that just automatically come with this starting out are really cool. One of them is called Born of the Soil. You automatically get to transform into pretty much anything that is from your land. So if it's say the desert you're you get to be desert creatures the one i picked was the towering mountains as listed on the sheet so stuff like rams and vultures and um, mountain lions things like that um, so while i can turn into stuff from the mountains i also get to use a move called studied essence uh, that allows me to spend some time with new animals and be able to put them on my list so to speak like if i'm hanging out with alligators in the swamp for a while i can um you know take some time and study them and and add that to the list uh, okay and stuff like that um i get one called by nature sustained i never need to eat or drink nature just does it for holy me holy crap yeah right so anytime that there's like moves that have to do with rationing and things like that i just i can ignore it entirely I also get a move called Spirit Tongue. So the grunts, barks, chirps, and calls of the creatures of the wild are as language to me. I can understand any animal native to my uh, native land or akin to one whose essence you've studied. Um, I actually took a second to look that up because I'm like, what do you mean by that? And kind of unanimously, they have listed that as like, okay, if you can talk to a robin that's up in the mountains usually yeah you, you can still talk to like a cardinal from the forest i mean they're this they're small birds there's no real big discrepancy okay. but just because i can talk to say a mountain lion doesn't necessarily mean i get to talk to a house cat because they're still they're more or less the same species but they're wildly different in what they yeah. really are and do and how they act okay so that's more of a you decision okay um you know once we get down to it if we're like hey yeah you can talk to a condor but you're trying to talk to a you know, a hummingbird. No, you know, stuff like that. It's up to you. And my last big one here that I start with is shapeshifter. And that details how this all works. Um, so I roll wisdom when I have a moment where I want to turn into an animal for a specific purpose. Um, on a 10 plus, I get three hold, seven to nine, hold two. And on a miss, I still hold one um, in addition to whatever the GM says. Not really sure what that means exactly, yeah. but I think that's some sort of repercussion on your part. And so I can take on the physical form of any species that I have from my list or my homeland. And as I do moves that have to do specifically with being that animal, I check off those hold. And once they're gone, I just turn back to my normal form. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that is the, the Halfling Druid. All right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, my uh, Dwarven Fighter, uh, the look of him is uh, that he's stout, is that he's uh, as wide as he is <laughs> tall, which in this case is probably <laughs> nice. four by four or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he has very eager eyes. Uh, his hair is quite neat. That was just like one I came up with because they only give you like three choices. Oh, so he's very and, prim and proper then. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I want to think that he is. Um, and then uh, his skin is unblemished. He has 25 hit points. Uh, his strength is plus two. His dex is at an even zero. His constitution is plus one. His intelligence is plus one. His wisdom is zero. And charisma is negative one. So his first move is called Signature Weapon, and it gives you a couple of choices as to what the weapon is. Um, you could either pick a sword, an axe, a hammer, a spear, a flail, and fists. And I would love to pick fists, but my last dwarven character was a, 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 a monk. And yeah, uh, I figured I should probably stay away from that. So I'll go with, I think, a flail. It's either hand, reach, or close. guess I will go with close. And then I get to choose two enhancements. Now, it could have hooks and spikes, serrated edges, uh, glows in the presence of one type of creature, your choice. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, it's huge. Um, it's versatile, which actually adds an extra uh, range to it if I wanted to. That actually sounds really cool. And then well-crafted, which means it gets like minus one weight. 
I'm going to go with versatile so I can add that extra range. And I'm thinking it's kind of like um, Simon Belmont's whip chain from the, the cartoon on Netflix where he can like press a button and it whips out a little bit. So I'm thinking maybe the flail has like a like a mechanism in it. And so all I have to do is press like a little button whenever I want to. And it the can chain lets out. Something. Yeah, chain lets out a little bit. I think I also want it to be well crafted. So then it'll be a minus one to my weight. Um, and then I get to choose the look of the weapon. Is it ancient, unblemished, ornate, bloodstained, or sinister? Uh, I'm going to go with ornate. I like good looking things. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, and then my next move is called Bend Bars, Lift Gates, which sounds like a... Is that his name? That, that sounds like a dwarven that name. That sounds uh, like a name. Yeah. That it sounded like the Hulk reading from a book. <laughs> Bend Bars, Lift Gates. It's either that or it's a Chinese like uh, martial arts move, you know, kind of like Crouching oh, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's like from the uh, <laughs> Iron Fist books back when they used to name every move that he was doing. Yeah. yeah. When you use pure strength to destroy an inanimate obstacle, roll plus strength on a 10 plus, choose three. On a seven to nine, choose two. Uh, and then my last one is very simple. It's armored. You ignore the clumsy tag on any armor you wear. Oh, that's handy. All right. So my character has a fit body, joyous eyes, <laughs> wild hair, and traveling clothes. He's got a zero strength, plus one dex, plus one constitution, zero intelligence, minus one wisdom, and plus two charisma. Uh, so the constitution score results in 21 hit points. And his starting moves are arcane art. When you weave a performance into a basic spell, choose an ally and an effect. I can heal, I can give some damage forward, I can clear some effects, or uh, basically aid another. Charming and open, when you speak frankly with someone, you can ask their player a question from a list, they have to answer it truthfully, and then they can ask you one from the list and you have to answer it truthfully. Hmm. Uh, bardic lore, you can choose an area of expertise, uh, spells and magics, the dead and undead, grand histories of the known world, a bestiary of creatures unusual, the planar spheres, legends of heroes past, Gods and their servants. Good lord. Uh, I'm going to go with spells and magics, um, especially because this seems like we're going to be in a magic world now, and I'm the magic person of the group. Um, when you first encounter an important creature, location, or item, your call, covered by your lore, you can ask the GM a question about it, and then the GM gets to ask you why you know that, oh, and I have to make good. something up. <laughs> that is something, and we'll talk about this as it comes up, but I love this game because... It's going to lean on you guys a lot to generate the world. Like, I have the stories in my head, but a lot of the stuff is me going, yeah, so what is this? Tell me about it. Uh, and then a port in the storm. When you return to a civilized settlement you visited before, tell the GM when you were last here, and they'll tell you how it's changed since then. So as you all step out of the shadows into this light, what you see standing there, talking with the voices of your friends, are a halfling with a big set of horns, a dwarf covered in thick muscle, and a very tall, worldly-looking elf. Guys, I think we fucked up. What do I look like? You're a dwarf. Like a Dungeons and Dragons dwarf. Like a Oh shit, you've dwarf. got ears, dude. I have always had ears. What? Yeah, but your ears I, are I'm feeling them. Yeah, you've got these big pointy ears. Oh. I think by now I've found the horns. Oh god. Oh god, what am I? Yeah, and am in this I a moment, goat? You're starting to notice, you know, especially Tass and TJ that you didn't really feel odd in this world. Now suddenly you realize how close you are to the ground and how tall Jake looks and everything is kind of strange. And again, you get this little bit of vertigo sensation as your brain kind of adapts to the world that you're in right now. Oh, God. What do we do with this? I don't. I thought we were going to be us. Yeah. I, like Elnor. Where? What happened to our bodies? Maybe they're in Are they the, in the in garbage? This? Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm going to run back in there and try like root around. Um, so here's our first role for this. Roll discern realities. Uh, discern realities is when you closely study a situation or a person. Roll wisdom. On a 10 plus, <laughs> you ask the GM three questions from the list below. On a 7 to 9, ask only one. And you take plus one forward when acting on the answer. This essentially is our new investigator mystery. This is great. First roll of the game. My worst stat. Uh, seven. Okay, you get a hold one. Uh, I guess what here is useful or valuable to me? My corpse. <laughs> um, so as you are digging around in here trying to find what is useful or valuable to you, you actually come across 
everything underneath this pile of garbage that is listed on your character's equipment sheet. Uh, my starting gear, uh, I get to pick a musical implement. They've all got little descriptions. So like your father's mandolin repaired or a fine lute, a gift from a noble. Uh, I'm going to go with a songbook and a forgotten tongue. Oh, okay. I can't wait to hear of... these songs. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, if you picked like a, a, a recorder or something, that's something you have to stick in your mouth after it's been in this garbage. Um, Leather armor, which is just one armor, a worn bow, a bundle of arrows and a short sword and six uses of halfling pipe leaf. Real quick, Jake, what is Halfling Pipe Leaf? Uh, Halfling Pipe Leaf, as far as I can tell, is just fantasy weed. So <laughs> you you is have that... a number of uses and you expend two uses, two charges to get a plus one forward to parley, which is like when you've got leverage on someone, roll charisma. I see. I see. So... Oh, two charges because one for you and one for them. Yeah, because you have to smoke them out. So one, <laughs> one for you, one for them. Now this is the this is the D and D version of you cool man. Everybody better get real cool with some shit real fast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as you root around inside of the garbage, you find all of this equipment. You just seem to innately know that this is my stuff. I don't see our bodies, but I think I found my gear. This is amazing. I'm gonna start rooting around where we were as well. Yeah, I'll go back to where I woke up and look around like he did. Yeah, same thing. About two or three feet away from where you woke up, you find all the gear on your list. Cool. Uh, then that means I have scale armor. I also have a shield and I have a bag of 22 coins. Sweet. Loaded. Yeah. Uh, I found some poultices and herbs, um, hide armor, and I think I actually kind of huff as I pick up a spear. Well, of course. Of course it is. And I'm going to walk back over to them. Is it the spear? It is not. I have to assume. It looks remarkably like it. It is not the spear. You can tell that it feels a little different, but it's just like a different artist's rendition of that spear. All right. So kind of, I mean, like our spirits made it through and maybe some of like our, you know, essence or whatever, if you've got the spear still. I guess. I mean, yeah, there's got to be something to this. This is nuts. This is nuts. Um, Is there any way that I can, like, think about the idea of the portal and maybe about what could have gone wrong or what it is that... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I'm trying that, to figure out where our bodies are in yeah. this case. So I think that you can discern realities as you're looking around this room, you know, as you're talking to them, seeing how they're different, but that there are some elements that seem familiar about them. And so that is just, again, 2d6 plus wisdom. Okay. Uh, that's another seven. All right. You get a hold one. I want to know what happened here recently. So as you're sitting here trying to figure out, gosh, what is this? You notice that the device that you made to track isn't there. And it's part of your physical body. You know that you had it on you. And you kind of look back over your shoulder as you think about this. And on the far wall, very faintly shimmering, you can see an energy field and there is blast marks coming out of it. And as you inspect, you can see that they are aimed at the three locations that you all woke up. And so that feeling that you all went through when you stepped through the light of this sense of falling and vertigo and being pulled apart, you think that something must have gone wrong, that some calibration wasn't right. I mean, this was your first test run of it, but that your spirits got sent out of your body and into bodies that were already here. Guys, I think we're in some other dude's bodies. These aren't ours. Well, yeah. Wait, really? I, I thought we just transformed. Like, come on. If, if we went through like this, I would be a halfling. Come on, look at me. No, these. this is someone else. I'm someone else. You're someone else, Jake. Tass, you're definitely someone else. So where are our bodies? Just back on the other side? I don't know that. Just in Rev's possession? <laughs> Getting weekend at Bernie's around. Oh my god, is this Ninja Turtles 3? Oh shit, what if like some dwarf is making some sweet machines back at our place? That'd be awesome. Oh Ooh. god. About that time you guys are starting to have this conversation, everybody's kind of freaking out and being a little loud. And from further away in the darkness, you hear... <laughs> you guys heard that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like an animal. It sounds animal-ish to what you've experienced in life so far. 
can I use essentially what I'm trying to do here is like discern realities to see if that sound I'm hearing is um, some kind of creature. Oh, like something that you would. Yeah, that I would know the language of. Okay, so this, you know, this actually gets us into the topic of the playbook moves. Um, So, for instance, Tash, you have the move that allows you to communicate with animals. Um, And so this is something for everybody actually at the table that when you come across these moves at a point when they would be useful, you just innately know you have these abilities when that moment arises. So I think that you hear this creature down the hallway and because you know that you can communicate with animals, you know instantly this is not an animal because you can understand them and you cannot understand anything that this creature is saying. That makes sense. Thank you. Okay, guys. I'm going to try something, and I want to bear down. I want to see if I can transform into a grizzly bear. All right, roll it. I'm going to bear down and bear up. Let's do this. (laughs) And since we're at the start of a new season, I, of course, have to bring it in with what's probably going to be a wildly unpopular die choice. Oh, no. Is I have my... um, Oh, God, what do they even call them? Like the cylindrical die. Oh, okay. Dice set. Not uh, the so round ones. Oh, good. Yeah, not the round ones. Thank Nothing goodness. can ever be as unpopular as the round dice. <laughs> Somebody even called out. I shared a picture of that in the Discord. They did. They're like, I see those. Okay, here we go. With my plus wisdom, that's a seven. So that gets me a hold two. Task just and shifts into a bear. Jesus Christ. Holy shit. Don't eat us, please. <laughs> it's still me. I'm just in a bear now. We'll go eat the thing. Well, we don't know what it is, and I'm going to stalk forward and try to see what's over there. I'm going to go with him. Oh, you know what, Tess? I think you got to tell me, what does this bear look like? Because we have already established in the prologue that animals don't necessarily look the way that we are used to. We have seen in the prologue an owl that is essentially colored like a parrot. Um, so what does this bear look like? Um, so... I think it's it's very much, you know, shaped like a grizzly bear, big Kodiak kind of brown bear. Um, but the coloring is a little different. It's more of a gray, almost into a light blue. I was picturing blue for some oh, reason. Good. Okay, well, bright cerulean now. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it is I think it's it is it at a glance, it's like that's gray, but in full bright light would see that almost tense of like comic book blue kind of um, down the the, the spine and um, around the feet and the thicker areas of fur. Awesome. Uh, so there is the uh, light source that you guys had walked towards before in this room. It is up on the wall. It is a crystal that is glowing. Um, so you're going to basically pass under this and then pass it and out of this space to go towards this sound. How high up is that light? Six or seven feet up. It's just hanging. I'll pluck it and hand it off to uh, TJ. I'll take it. All right. So you guys start to head down out of this room. Again, the smell here is so strong. It is all over you. And you go down about 20 feet and you see another glow coming your direction. And there is a gray figure with a club holding up a torch. And you can see that it's trying to peer down in the direction you guys are coming from. I'm going to lift the gem over my head. Hey, who goes there? It lets out a scream when you talk to it, and from further back behind it, you can hear the scream echoed a couple times. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Hey, sir, please don't do that. We're, we're, we're friendly. It's okay. Uh, and it turns and runs back away from you down the hallway towards the other voices. All right, problem solved. <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this. Uh, do we follow or do we look for another way out? Shit. Uh, uh, let's follow it. Maybe maybe it'll lead us to the way out. This is just occurring to me. If we're in some other people's bodies, why were they wherever we are? Why were they in a garbage pile in, in whatever, the sewer or something? Just I- a bunch of drunks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. we'll have to figure that out, I guess. Having the best clear view of this thing, I assume, because I'm up front and I've got the light and everything. Um, Is there any way to tell what kind of creature it is? Uh, yeah, so that brings us to... Our next move that everybody gets, this is another basic move uh, called Spout Lore. When you consult your accumulated knowledge about something, uh, roll 2d6 plus int, and then you will get some hold. Okay, I will do that. Oh, shit. Uh, That would be a 12. Nice. All right, so um, the way that Spout Lore works is that on a 10 plus, I'm going to tell you something relevant about what it is that you're looking into, and on a mixed success, I will tell you something 
uh, interesting, but it'll be up to you to make it useful. And then on a fail, uh, you just get it all wrong. And so the way this is going to work, just like with everything else so far, you're looking at this creature and it's like a mental Rolodex. Suddenly you're like, oh, wait, I know what this is. Um, this is a goblin and you know that they live underground in packs and they're just kind of horde creatures that love to collect things and kill things and eat things. So now I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. How do you know this information? Because that is part of Spout Lore. Where did you, in whatever life this body had before you, learn this information? I learned it from my great-great-grandfather. He would set me down as a young pup dwarf, and he would sit me on his knee and tell me of the stories of the dwarves and goblins and all the underground creatures and everything like that. And one of the things that really interested me was the goblins and the idea that they're a pack mentality and that they, uh, their society is based on almost like just sustaining themselves uh, with garbage and almost like vultures. They they just live off the land, off of dead things and everything. And their yeah. culture is pretty awful. So I think that as you're looking at this creature and you're trying to figure out what is this, that's the memory you get is you see this little dwarf child and a very old gray bearded dwarf with a book, like showing him things and telling stories about, oh, these are the goblins and they do this. And like you can see clearly on the next page is like some kind of a winged person with claw feet and a, you know, a beak over their mouth. But your focus is on those goblins. Yeah. Um, guys, I, I know what this is. It's a goblin. I think we can kill this and be okay if we needed to. Are, are they like evil? Are goblins evil? Uh, yeah, we're in fantasy realm here. What's the alignment we're looking at? Yeah, they're pretty evil. And you hear from down that hallway the returning sounds of many more voices. And they're in packs, too. So I think we're going to have to take care of these guys or something. Before rushing down a hallway that I know where they are, I want to glance around to see if there's any more light or anything from any of the other corners to see if there's another escape route. Uh, there is not. There's just this long hallway. All right. Looks like it's time to fight, boys. Okay. I'm just going to draw and wait until I see one coming back around the corner. And for some reason, I feel like I should get like right up front, like uh, with the shield, the, the, the mail and everything. I feel like I could take some heavy hits. Okay, so you guys kind of get into your stance, and five of these creatures come around the corner together, all with torches and clubs. May I loose an arrow, please? Yeah, so here's our next move. This is called volley, and uh, this is when you shoot at an enemy at range. You roll decks, and then the success level changes uh, the options that you get to pick from. All right. Uh, nine. Now, so on a nine, you deal damage and you choose one of the following. Uh, you have to move to get the shot, placing you in danger. You have to take what you can get and you roll 1d6 and subtract that from your damage. Or you have to take several shots, reducing your ammo by one. Uh, and the way ammo works in this game is that it's kind of a nebulous idea. We don't count every single arrow, but you do have a marker for, for ammunition. You have essentially three dots. And so if you pick that you lose some ammo, you remove one of those dots. Once you're out of dots, you're out of ammo. Um, okay. So my damage die is a D6. So I think I'm going to go with minus one D6 damage and just see what happens here. Okay. <laughs> if I if I even make a difference. And I actually want to take a moment to mention that a character's damage die is based off of their playbook. Uh, so it doesn't matter what weapon they're using, though. I guess eventually they could get a weapon that maybe gives a plus one or plus two damage. Uh, but their die that they roll is based off of the die that the playbook tells them. So I do four and I remove four. <laughs> <laughs> So I think in the panic of this moment, you draw the arrow and just as you pull the arrow back to knock it and fire it, the head catches on your shoulder and just comes off. And so you just hit it with a blunt arrow and it doesn't do anything. Poorly constructed. Yeah. Poorly constructed. Yeah, yeah. You need to look at your arrow making. Uh, so they are right on top of you, TJ and Tass. What are you guys doing? I want to try to take a swipe at one with my big meaty bare hand. All right. So roll hack and slash. This is when you make a melee attack on an enemy. And that's with strength, right? It is. Uh, Yep, that'd be... 13. Okay, what is your damage? Uh, I get to roll 1d6. Not a lot for a big beefy bear. Yeah. His damage die doesn't change with his animal. It doesn't. Not till later. There's some yeah, options that's for true. that. Uh, two damage. 
Okay, so you hit the first one for two damage. And I suppose we should point out that having a full success, you do not take damage from the enemy that you're attacking. TJ. Can I hit all of them? You know what? You can. So here's a rule that is different from Monster of the Week. With Hack and Slash, you can choose to hit multiple enemies. The thing that you need to know is that when you hit multiple enemies, if they hit you back, I roll the damage of the highest enemy and then add one point of damage for everyone else that you hit. So essentially they all turn and attack you in that moment. So if someone rolls a D8 for damage and there are five of them, you take a D8 plus four. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, okay, so roll hack and slash. Get a full success, please. <laughs> I will try. Uh, five and a four plus two. That's nine and two is 11, baby. All right, so you leap into the center of this rushing group of goblins and you let loose your flail. You push the button so the chain comes out. How much damage do you do? According to hack and slash, I can either choose to not take the damage or add a plus D6 to it, but I will take the damage. That's true. You can choose to, instead of avoiding all of their attacks, you can take their hits and add a D6 to your damage. Come on, baby. All tens and all sixes. A two and a two. So a four damage, I assume, is it for each? That is for each. Wow but I'm going to take some damage now. You are. A little bit. So TJ leaps into the group of the center of gray rushing goblins, and he spins his flail around. Uh, This is a new thing, too. I actually have to roll dice. So TJ, you're going to take six points of damage plus four points of damage for the additional attacker. So you take ten points of damage, and you will subtract your armor from that. Oh, okay. I have three armor with my scale mail and my shield. Okay, so you take seven points of damage and all of these goblins go down. Ooh, wow. For real? Wow, that was easy. They are pushovers. Is it safe to say that I used a hold to do a big vicious bear attack or? No, because you don't do any additional damage Uh. as a bear right now, I think that anything that you could do normally won't cause the use of a hold unless it's like you're trying to discern realities as an eagle and we think there's a reason for that to give you a bonus that might be a different story sure i i dig that okay i think you're still a bear right now okay cool 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 i want to see what these goblins got on them torches and clubs unfortunately i assume they're just wearing loincloths they're barely wearing anything at all (laughs) i'm gonna take a torch though okay i don't i don't have any light source so all right so mark that down on your inventory same thing with you, TJ, for that light quartz that you took. Done and done. Nice. Um, was there another light quartz? You said, I know that there was light coming from the hallway. Uh, it was the light of the torches. Oh, okay. Um, then I'll probably... How, how does this... How do I loot in animal form? Uh, I don't <laughs> think you can. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I assume you just tear at it with your, your claws until you find the bones. Yeah. That's how it is described, too, just for the things that are on me when I do transform. It all just melds into the form. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I don't think I can just... You know, just drop everything. You can't just absorb stuff. <laughs> yeah, put my mouth on it and it's in me now. Um, okay, let's uh, let's keep moving. Oh, man. I'm not feeling well, you guys. Look at this. Uh, I got cuts and bruises. You know what's great is that I have really thick skin now, but <laughs> but at the same time, this kind of still hurts. Um, okay, so I think that while he's talking about how hurt he is and I'm looking at how hurt he is, this is going to sound meaner than it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I feel compelled to sing. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, because one of the effects of my arcane art is when I weave a performance into a basic spell, I can heal somebody. So I think just seeing him being damaged and my instrument being a songbook and a forgotten tongue that I just look at him and I'm like, oh, and <laughs> it just starts to come out of me. Okay. I'm going to try to heal you. Uh, that is an 11. So I roll a D8, seven. And what did you get uh, on that 11? Like, what was your success? Uh, so on a 10 plus, they get the selected effect, which is from a list. So it could be heal 1D8 damage. Uh, plus 1d4 forward to damage, their mind is shaken clear of one enchantment, or the next time someone successfully assists them, they get a plus two instead of a plus one. Oh, okay. Nice. So on a full success, they just get one of those. On a seven to nine, they get one, but I draw unwanted attention, or my magic hits other targets as well, and that's your choice. Oh, cool. All right, so TJ, you are healed seven points. Then I am healed completely, then. Can we say, I assume that the language in this is, like, common, Right. So my songbook being in a forgotten tongue. Yeah. Can it just be American English? (laughs) And we don't realize that we're not speaking American English until I start singing a song from home. Yes. In English. On the condition that I got to hear this healing song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 
God, I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm going to heal your body. Going to make it super gaudy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. No, it's Cut to the Feeling by Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that song. Why don't you give us a sample Why don't I pull it up on Spotify and play it for you later, TJ? <laughs> okay. Lay off me. Because <laughs> what you don't realize is that later on, you know, partway through season two, we're actually going to take the time to make a... Uh, healing songs of jake playlist yes. so that we're gonna we need to keep track of all the songs that you're singing and what they do yeah it's just like the six notes like the oh, 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 oh. that's how i heal 1d8 damage i nice. like it okay i guess let's keep moving so you guys start to head further into this cave and you've got your light quartz now and you've also got the torch and you're starting to see where you are it is it's just a cave. It is natural occurring. As you move through here, the smell is not nearly as bad. Uh, and you see a bunch of marks of like wheels and things like that. So you get the sense that they drug stuff down in there to get rid of it, that that just is where they put their trash. You head a little further down and you come to a very large opening, uh, a big cavernous room that has a hallway that goes off to the left, uh, as well as something that goes north. Weird that I chose left and north, but what are you going to do? <laughs> um, uh, it just occurred to me that I said I was carrying a torch and also had an arrow knocked, and that makes no sense. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to say I have the torch and my short sword instead. Okay. I have no earthly idea. Pick one and see what happens. Um, As a dwarf, I feel like I would have some kind of underground type knowledge. Uh, would I be able to figure out which way to go from this? Uh, you can roll a discern realities. I would love to do that. I I think I do. Uh, you rolled a d10. I did. <laughs> That's, we're going to be on the lookout for that so much. Yeah. Let's try that again. Uh, nine. All right. You get a hold one. What here is useful or valuable to me? So as you start to look around, you can hear some sounds from the north, but you can see that there is a ladder that actually goes up. And then to the west, you see almost no tracks at all. You have seen a couple of these goblin tracks now, and there's nothing going that direction. And you can smell something from down that direction that is very musky. It is dense. It is heavy. But as you're looking down that hallway, trying to kind of get a sense of which of these options would be the best one to take, you actually notice that on the west wall, there is a crack that has a large rock in front of it. And it seems like this crack would be big enough for a person to fit through. And there is a breeze coming from it that does not smell as stale or stagnant as everything else in here does. Uh, guys, I think I know the way out here. I want to bend bars, lift gates, this boulder out of the way. Uh, okay, so roll it. All right. And this is off my strength, which is my best stat because I'm going to need it for a 10. What do you get on a 10? I get a hold three and I get a list of four things. It doesn't take a very long time. Nothing of value is damaged. It doesn't make an inordinate amount of noise. And you can fix the thing again without a lot of effort. Okay, so what ones are you going to pick? I'm going to go with the first three. It doesn't take a very long time. Nothing of value is damaged and it doesn't make inordinate amount of noise. All right. So this is just strength based. And so yeah. TJ is like, yeah, guys, I think over here there's something in this crack. And he waddles over to this big boulder and he just pulls his fist back and dead punches it in the center and it crumbles. And there's a little bit of noise, not a lot, but he just shatters this boulder that is in front of this. That was cool. Yeah, definitely won't be fixing that anytime soon. <laughs> what are we seeing here? It is just a crack into the darkness. Uh, I'm going to stick my light gem into the crack. You can see that the passageway inside of this crack has a fairly steep decline and that it curves to the left. So you can't see very far down it, maybe 20 or 30 feet. Okay. Um. Well, then I'm just going to go in. It smells much better. And Gandalf always said, follow your nose. It's just single file through this thing. I don't okay. think that Tass is going to fit. Oh, is that is it pretty obvious then how small it is? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I will just, just drop the form and lose those hold. Okay. So the three of you squeeze into this single file. What's your order? Me first. Uh, I'll go last. I'll stay in the middle. All right. So you guys work your way into this and start to climb down. And it's almost like if you've ever been spelunking. You're grabbing on to pieces of rock that are there. This is 
totally naturally formed and you don't think that there's been a lot of traffic through this. And it takes you about three or four minutes to get down, but you do come out into an area that has a little bit of moss growing and you can see a clear pool of water up ahead. We're still in a cave? Correct. Okay, well, this didn't get us out. I don't know about you guys. I was hoping that this would get us out. <laughs> well, it smelled the cleanest. I At least not as bad as everything else around here. Um, I'm going to check the pool of water, see if there's anything floating around in it. So as you start to approach the pool with this light crystal looking around, you see something moving underneath the water. And the water starts to move and ripple as this huge form puts a hand out onto the edge and starts to lift itself out. And you can see that it's got this green skin covered in scales, and it's got these big eyes that are completely milky and white. And as it raises out of the water, it makes a few loud sniffs. And with each one, the sniffs become slower and more deliberate until the final sniff turns its head in your direction, and a low rumble fills the chamber as it bears a set of large, jagged teeth and lets out a roar. Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Look to the sea. Wayland's assembled a team. They're inside already. This was a risky gamble. There will be consequences for the both of you. Mm, we'll threaten you with a good time. You said this would be a quick in and out job! Did, did, did I say that? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm drawing a blank here, Johnny. Peace of mind. Is that what you call it? You think that what you've given me is peace of mind? I knew you'd come out on the other side. That's just you, right? You never give up. Unless you're giving up on me. It's always raining in Neo-Atlantis. It can't rain all the time. That'll be enough, Mr. Indri. Enough conversation. You have a job to do. Finish it. Kill them. Return Alex Webb to us. The sentiment will surely get me killed in the process, but I mean... None of us get out of this life alive. Am I right? Cybernautica Breakwall, Cybernautica Undertow. A production of Red Fathom Entertainment. Presented by the Fable and Folly Network. Listen to both complete series now. Welcome to Neo Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs>